Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood, having trained more than 24,000 vets, helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura, answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Milena Martini is renowned in the dog training world for her work on canine separation anxiety disorder over the last 20 years. Her book, Treating Separation Anxiety in Dogs, in addition to her newly published book, Separation Anxiety in Dogs, Next Generation in Treatment Protocols and Practices, has helped countless numbers of dogs. Her online course for pet parents called Mission Possible has proven to be an invaluable resource in the industry and the success rate realized there is immeasurable. In addition to writing and lecturing worldwide, Milena oversees a team of top separation anxiety trainers and runs an internationally accessible certification program for accomplished dog professionals looking to hone their skills. Milena is passionate about furthering education in this field through science-based methods, Resources about separation anxiety and support uh, with training can be found at her website at MilenaDemartini.com. Milena, it is an honor to have you on the show this morning. Welcome to Pet Talk Today. I am so, so happy to be here. What an excellent show you have, and I'm really honored that you asked me to participate. Well, we are so glad that you're here. You know, um, besides uh, the radio show, I've got a dog training business here in Phoenix, and um, I'm sure you know what's going on with the pandemic and so many dogs with separation anxiety. Um, we have really seen that uh, on the rise. I don't know about you. Big, big increases. I, I certainly think there's a number of reasons for that, uh, but I'm sure we'll talk about that further. Yeah. Where would you like to well, start? Well, how about we just start with, you know, what is separation anxiety for those that might not know? Yeah, that's a, that's a great beginning point. First of all, I think it's important that people really understand that separation anxiety is an extreme fear of being alone. So it's essentially a phobia. And, and and by definition, a phobia is totally, totally, totally irrational to the people that are not experiencing it, but it is very, very real to the dog, okay? So, and I want to point that out because it's so important that people really understand that their dog is panicking involuntarily. Right. You know, separation anxiety sufferers are not, sort of behaving badly out of spite or anger or they're not naughty dogs. They're truly afraid, okay? And one of the key elements of working with separation anxiety is that we understand that so we can have the patience and the empathy through that training process. How common, you know, I was talking before we brought you on about separation anxiety it's on the rise with the pandemic but um, overall how common is separation anxiety in dogs well i heard you mention that and you said about 20 to 40 percent that's what i heard but i don't know if it's if my numbers are right well for the longest time there was 
about that 20-ish percent estimation of dogs that were affected with separation-related problems. However, really recently some studies and surveys have come out that are showing that about 50% of pet dogs are suffering with some form of separation-related issue. And the reason that that is just astounding, and you hear the number 50% and you think, oh, my goodness, but, wow, if you extrapolate that out to the current sort of numbers from, you know, the data out there, in the U.S. alone, that would be equivalent to about 44 million dogs that have alone time distress-related issues. Well, and we've got one veterinary behaviorist for each million of them. Yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> about forty-five. Right. So, people like you, the work that you're doing is is invaluable, invaluable. And that's why we're so glad that you're here. Um, let me ask you this: If there were one or two things that you would want every separation anxiety pet parent to know, what would those be? So. I think we'll probably talk about this even more, but I want to make this like the hard-hitting, if you take nothing else away from today's conversation, remember these two things, okay? The first is that I want every pet parent to know that they did not cause their dog separation anxiety. Please, please, please absolve yourself of the guilt that, that you are, you know, holding um, surrounding the fact that, oh, it's my fault if I had done this or hadn't done that, you know, my dog would not have this issue. And, you know, I, I, it's interesting because a lot, a lot of people that are going through this issue are getting a lot of pushback from, you know, friends, family, neighbors, colleagues, uh, a lot of naysayers saying, if you just stop spoiling your dog, he or she would be fine. And, boy, we know not only in practice but also from the research that that actually isn't true. And, so that's and, the first thing. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the one thing that I'm excited and I love about you is that you don't just spit things out. You are all about evidence-based, science-based practices. So I love it. Keep going. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean – you know, it's great. I have my personal opinions, et cetera, and I have my biases, like every human yeah. being. But I, but I want to make sure that what I'm doing and what I'm saying and that which I execute in our training protocols is all well established and and heavily researched, so that we we're doing what we know to be most efficient and effective. That's fantastic. So let's talk about. Thing number two. So two things. Take this Milena, away. I just yeah. want to say this. We're going to be going taking a break in, in oh. about sixty seconds. No, though, no, that's okay. I'm thinking maybe we might want to hold that over until uh, until we come back from the break. That way, we're not going to have anything disjointed because we definitely want to. This is important. We want to hear what you have to say. I'm your host, Will Bangura. You're listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX, where we answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, but when we come back, more on separation anxiety and Milena DiMartini. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
to lick everybody when they come to my door. I'll eat anything if it falls on the floor. Now, I've heard the rumors. I think I better ask you. I heard I might be a dog. Won't somebody please tell me it ain't true? I don't know if uh, you were one of my dogs. I think you'd be pretty glad that you were living a life uh, of in the lap of luxury. Yeah, let's yeah. put it that way. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you're listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX, where we answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Today, we are talking all about canine separation anxiety with my special guest, author and canine separation anxiety guru, Malena DiMartini. Uh, before we went to break, uh, Malena, you were talking about uh, the two things that were extremely important. And, and you were, uh, can you recap what number one was? And then we want to go into number two. You bet. So as a recap of number one, I want everyone to know that they are not the cause of their dog's separation anxiety. It's really important that we, that we don't carry around guilt about the fact that we've created this problem. Now, the second and very important thing um, may sound simple, but, it, but surprisingly, there are a lot of people that still say, oh, gosh, that separation anxiety thing, yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. But I want people to realize and take away from this interview that separation anxiety is indeed fixable. There is a gold standard for the training, and yes, it is gradual and systematic, and it takes some time. But absolutely, these dogs have tremendous success if the appropriate protocol is adhered to. So... What can, what can you do about separation anxiety? You know, our audience, they're not trainers. I know you do a lot of work with training and, and certifying trainers. Um, but you know, for your average, uh, pet guardian, your average pet parent, you know, who might be suffering, uh, with a dog that's suffering from separation anxiety, you know, what can they do? So, you know, I'm going to give you, of course, an answer to that question, but I, I want to preface that by saying that, you know, in the span of the two or three minutes that we have to talk about the the uh, resolution aspect, um, boy, I, I'm going to make it sound simple, but let's not forget that doesn't make it easy. Mm-hmm. Right. So the basis of working with separation anxiety is actually to gradually expose the dog to alone time while never pushing them to the point you're anxious or, or fearful, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's interesting because this is actually the same method that was was developed in the 1950s um, that we have treated human fears and phobias with for, for many, many, many years. And uh, not only is it extremely effective with both species, humans and dogs. Um, but we, we have tons of research, tons of research that has detailed this process, which we call systematic desensitization. But nobody needs to know those big, long words. Um, I, think I, I think the best way is to give an example. Okay. And 
So I always tell people, imagine if you had an extreme fear of spiders, uh, which, by the way, not something I have to imagine because this is a personal yeah. phobia for me. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> so, um, so as a human being with a fear of spiders, the process that we would use to, to get over that spider phobia would be to start at a level where there was no fear. So, so as an example, let's say we would start with looking at maybe a harmless photo of a non-scary looking spider, and we would start to get used to that photo and that appearance, okay? Now, over time, that picture would become maybe a plastic spider at a, at a fairly great distance. Eventually, there might be a real spider, but closed into a container and presented at a far away uh, distance again. So that is a very simplified way of saying that we what we do with separation anxiety. So, so we start to expose dogs to alone time in small enough increments of intensity so that they're not experiencing fear. Now, now for some dogs that could mean that we start with just a few seconds outside the door or even less. But over time and with repetition, that duration increases and the dog becomes super successful with appreciable absences. You know, what I, I obviously I read your book and that's how I found you. And and one of the things that I thought was fascinating about it, um, and, and I think People without knowing the technical term of gradual and systematic desensitization, right. you know, I think that there, are, you know, are some people, and in today's age, you know, the pet parents they get on the internet, they get on YouTube, and and so um, they begin that process, perhaps, of doing that, and um, of course, then when they come back from that short absence, whatever that time might be, they come in and reward the dog with a high-value food reward. And I was fascinated to read in your book that you don't counter-condition. You don't right. reward with food. Um, can you talk about that? Because it's fascinating. It is extremely fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of, anyway, the most common recommendations for working with separation anxiety is to reward the dog with a high-value treat upon return, right? Yeah. Right. What's wrong so, with that, yeah, I guess? Exactly. You know? What's wrong with that? Well, well, I think we should talk about yes. it. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, we, we have to remember that it's the anxiety that we're working on rather than training some sort of, like, obedience behavior, so similar to a downstay, let's say. Right. Which is, in essence, what is happening when a client exits, says, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna return while the dog is still lying there calmly, quietly, and I'm gonna give them a reward. Okay, here's the good news. If people conduct their training protocol that way, it will actually appear as if it's working for a little while. Okay? Okay. So that's both good and bad news. Because the good news is, woo, we've made it to 20 seconds of the dog lying there calmly. Right. Here's the bad news, though. The dog is, let's say, now, right, after teaching them, I come and go and give you a reward. 
They're now not only paying more attention to the client's return, which is actually what we don't want because they're anticipating this treat, right? Yep. But they're also, they're also performing what I would consider an unsustainable behavior. So, so let me dive into that just slightly. Yeah. It, this unsustainable behavior, right? It might work for a short while where the dog, let's say waits for 30 seconds or even a minute or two, waiting for that yummy, yummy piece of chicken, right? Mm-hmm. But can you imagine asking the dog to stay or expecting the dog to stay for an hour or three or four in exchange for that little piece of cheese, right? Well, yeah, that's, because that's that's where we would be yeah, apparently yeah, be going yeah. down the road, huh? <laughs> Eventually, right? I got to go to work. <laughs> right, right. I got to go to work. So I'll see you in three hours, four hours, eight hours, and I'll give you your piece of cheese. I don't know. If I were the dog, I would say that. Not too fair. Way too expensive yeah. for my reward, yeah. right? As we say, the juice is not worth the squeeze. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it is. And when we um, approach it the way that we're talking about here with returning and, and uh, offering a food reward, we're we're actually not addressing the underlying anxiety. We're asking the dog to perform a behavior. And we really need to get to the underlying fear uh and so, so really the correct way to work with a dog when they're actually performing these absences is to really monitor the body language so that the mm, dog's always mm. staying beneath their panic point, right? Yep. And then we have to make this game of coming and going both safe and actually a little boring through repetition. So the dog's like, oh, mom's doing that stupid thing again where she exits and comes back. Oh, this is silly. And that's something, too, that I am going to want you to touch on in in greater detail, and that is the whole idea of being boring, okay? But uh, first, we're going to have to take another break here. I'm your host, Will Bangura. You're listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX, where we talk about your pet's behavior and your training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Don't ever miss an episode of Pet Talk Today. Make sure that you subscribe to the Pet Talk Today podcast. You can go to any podcasting platform. You can go to Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and find us there. Don't go anywhere. We've got to go to the news. But when we come back, more on separation anxiety. Would you like to go on walkies? Welcome back, everybody. If you are just joining us, I'm Will Bangora. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you're listening to Pet Talk Today here on 1100 KFNX, where we answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Today, we are talking all about canine separation anxiety with my special guest, author and canine separation anxiety guru, Malena DiMartini. Uh, before we went to break, before we went to news, uh, 
um, you were talking about um, the pet parent when you're working on the separation anxiety being really boring. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, and I want to make one distinction there. Okay. The process, the game of coming and going is what needs to be boring. And one of the reasons why I want to make what seems like a very small, you know, distinction there is that, think about this, right? Dogs, these dogs with separation anxiety are terrified of alone time. So the very first time that you open the door and step out, the dog is going to go, uh-oh, 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 oh my gosh, here it comes, this is such a, oh, wait, mom's stuff, huh, that was interesting, Right? They're going to feel this immediate concern and panic, potentially, uh, but you're going to come back in a second or two or what have you, and uh, and the dog's going to go, huh, and then the next time you're going to step out for a second or two, and the dog's going to go, oh, gosh, maybe this is the real thing. Mm. Suddenly, you're going to be back, and through the process of repetition, the dog starts to think, you know, I'm anthropomorphizing here, but starts to, you know, get mm-hmm. the the, the feeling of, oh, my gosh, my mother is losing it. She's going in and out that door for a couple seconds every time. This is the most boring thing she's ever done. So it's the game, if you will, or the process that is really the boring part. Now, you also mentioned something that is the somewhat equal boring part, and that is the pet-parent reaction, if you will. Mm -hmm. So we have always been told, or certainly for many, many years with regard to separation anxiety, that you must ignore your dog upon re-entry. You've heard that, right? Of course. Absolutely. Or even freeze like a tree. Yeah. Yeah. So here's some funny stuff. You know, if you have a non-separation anxiety dog and you want to help them learn that jumping doesn't work to get your greeting, you betcha, freeze like a tree is a great idea until that dog's four feet are on the ground and then they get their attention. Very different, however, with a separation anxiety dog. If you truly outwardly ignore a separation anxiety dog, think about what a contrast that is from your normal interaction with the dog. Hmm. And what... Imagine, imagine if your, if your partner, right, came mm-hmm. home from work after eight hours, didn't look at you, didn't speak to you, walked through the house, grabbed something out of the refrigerator, went and changed his or her clothes, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what's wrong? Res- yeah. Like, what did I do? Yeah. Oh my gosh, what is wrong here? Right. And that's often what happens when we do this very strict ignoring routine is that the dogs actually start to display um, appeasement behaviors or they start to try attention-seeking behaviors like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? So there is a balance. When you enter, you know, after a brief absence, I, I typically tell people, imagine you're walking in the door with an armful of grocery bags and, of course, the ice cream is melting. Mm-hmm. What you would probably do is say, hey, Fluffy, I'm back. I got to put these groceries away or whatever, right? And you would go and do your thing. So it's a very low-key, kind of nonchalant reentry. But I don't want people to feel that ignoring or not even acknowledging their dog by not looking at them um, is, 
is needed or or even appropriate. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because, you know, that is, that's been the standard. That's what everybody's mm-hmm. hearing out there. And like I said, what I love about you, the stuff you're putting out is evidence-based. It's based in science. That being said, um, are there other myths that are out there related to separation anxiety that you think are important for us to know? Why there's. There's actually so many myths. We could we could literally spend. What are some of the whole, top? What are some of the top myths? Maybe. I agree. Let's just talk about some of the the top myths. Um, well, the first one we already touched on, uh, but I want to make sure that everybody did hear it. Um, that we do not cause separation anxiety. Okay. Even if we um, spoil our dogs. And guess what? You know, I love that you love evidence-based stuff. We've got over four decades of really heavy-duty research about separation anxiety. It's the number one research behavior problem, even above aggression. Interesting. Uh, That is interesting. Interesting. So there is so much literature devoted to the idea of spoiling. Now, what... Most people describe as spoiling and particularly what they describe it as in the literature and the research is, you know, we let the dog sleep on our bed. We let them, uh, you know, have treats all the time. We take them out on errands with us. We talk to them like they're babies, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. And replicated over and over and over in the research, they have shown that there is absolutely no correlation between, quote, spoiling behaviors, and separation anxiety. So with the research that's out there, um, are the majority of the dogs that have the more moderate to severe separation anxiety born that way? So the interesting stuff has about genetics has only just begun to scratch the, the surface. They recently found just by the way, uh, uh, non-disclosure here, or disclosure rather here, uh, I am not a geneticist, so, uh-huh. you know, uh, but from the genetic research that has been really interesting, and I've been diving into it with, you know, with crazed uh, excitement, they have actually found uh, the a haplotype, which is a, like a genetic marker, let's say, um, that is indicative of separation anxiety, and so... We really, I mean, it's amazing that we are finding that you betcha, there is a genetic component uh, and potentially a very large genetic component mm. with separation anxiety. And I think what I want to ask, um, and briefly, because I know you're not a veterinarian and you can't give out any medical advice and things like that, but um, some of these dogs with these strong genetic predispositions that have this very, very severe separation anxiety, like the ones that are hurting themselves uh, and just destroying everything. Um, some of those dogs, um, they're on medication as well as the behavior modification, right? Indeed. And there's two things that I want to say to that. First of all, just because something is genetically based, does not at all mean that it can't be modified. Gotcha. 
because if that were the case, we'd be in big trouble. There's a lot mm-hmm. of dogs that are born with certain fears and anxieties, and we do a great job of modifying them. So that number one. Number two, um, insofar as medication, I think a lot of dogs benefit. I mean, the gold standard is the gradual training combined with appropriate medication for the issue. And there's a reason for that. Um, the welfare of these dogs is really compromised if they're constantly experiencing this underlying anxiety. And so to gain a little bit of purchase on that anxiety, uh, using a combination of medication and training can really not only accelerate the process, but give the dog a much better quality of life during the training process. Now, is that all the dogs that would go through with the separation anxiety training? Certainly not. Uh, First of all, it has to be not only the veterinarian's choice, it has to be the personal choice of the individual, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, the pet parents that feels comfortable or wants to um, go in that direction. Um, But one thing, you know, is interesting that you talked about severity, and um, I really want people to know that it is the outward manifestation that we label as a severe animal. But, boy, dogs that are just sort of drooling and whining Mm. have equal, if not greater, amounts of anxiety that they're experiencing. So we call it severe because it's impacting us as human beings. Right. But um, the, the, the type of anxiety that these animals are experiencing doesn't isn't always perfectly reflected in the outward manifestation, which tends to be um, mostly what we define as most inconvenient to us. Melena, we've got to take another break to hear from our sponsors, but uh, this is fascinating stuff. I can't wait to come back from break so we can dive uh, back into it. I'm your host, Will Bangura. You are listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX, where we talk about your pet's behavior and training problems each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, more on separation anxiety. Tells me that he's sick of this house. He never says, Why don't you get off that couch? He don't cost me nothing when he wants to go out. I want you to love me like my dog. I say it each and every week, ladies. Love your man like you love your dog, and he'll always come home. He'll always come home with his tail away. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you're listening to Pet Talk Today here on 1100 KFNX, where we answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Today, we're talking all about canine separation anxiety with my special guest, author and canine separation anxiety guru, Malena DiMartini. Malena, welcome back. Thank you so much, Well, Happy to be here. Yes, so we were kind of talking about myths. Can you give us one more big myth that uh, yeah, is I'm out glad. there? Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I think one of the big myths that people, um, you know, don't realize is that separation anxiety um, uh, behaviors 
need to be punished in order for your dog to understand that they're doing something wrong. Boy, is that a big and one. He, isn't that a big one? They're already anxious. They're already scared. They're already panicking. And what do we do? We punish we it. Get mad at them. Yeah, let's give you a real reason to be scared. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it really can exacerbate the problem. And, um, you know, I think people need to just step back and realize that this is all rooted in fear right and we can't punish fear now uh, melena the dog isn't intentionally doing something wrong right right now now it i think that maybe that myth might be such a big one because a lot of people don't even know that these behaviors are separation anxiety behaviors like i agree yeah they think they come home and you know the dog's just peeing and pooping exactly. all over the house you know tearing, tearing things apart the dog is angry because i left the dog knew better he knows what he did yeah, wrong look at it. he looks oh, guilty and that's so common that we hear people yep. say that yeah yeah <clears throat> definitely i'm glad that that you talked about that so you've got uh you've got an online course for pet guardians can you talk about that because there might be some of our listeners that are saying hey i've got a dog or i've got a puppy with separation anxiety i need some help I like what you're talking about. Talk to our listeners. How can they get help through you? Uh, yeah, I'm really glad you asked because, you know, it is super hard when we, you know, do a quick search on the Internet about separation anxiety. I mean, the amount of information is overwhelming, and then the amount of contradicting, uh, contradictory information is equally overwhelming. Um, and so we have an online self-paced course for pet parents whose uh, dogs are suffering with separation anxiety. It's an extremely comprehensive course that um, is made up of over 30 lesson modules. There's lots of video, tons of written information, bunch of links to great resources. And on top of all that, students that are in the, our course, which is called Mission Possible, it, um, have lifetime access to the materials and they can post their questions and comments within the course, and we answer those daily. So, people, you know, the students are absolutely not alone. And we have so many success stories that have come out of our Mission Possible online course. It, it, it's really a great way to get the right information on how to proceed with a, a, an appropriate training protocol. Now, a lot of people are probably thinking to themselves, Gosh, this is this is an online course. How how effective can an online course be? I mean, don't don't you need to be right there with them, with the dog? Um, well, what is uh, training in the pandemic taught us? We'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not one to boast, but I got to tell you, I was boasting early on in the pandemic because this quick and this tremendous pivot started to happen where all the dog professionals were like, how can we address whatever behavior problem uh, online um, through remote tools? And I was like, haha, I've been doing it for 12 years now. Yeah. That is all that for me. Yeah. I've been working with separation anxiety since the technology got to the point um, of being able to allow it. I've been working with separation anxiety remotely. And it is indeed the most efficient way to do so, because if I come to your house in person, the first thing that happens is that we change the dynamic of what alone time looks like. 
Interesting. I I come over, I smell like, you know, my dogs, and I've got treats underneath my fingernails, and the dogs are like, whoa, what's happening here? They're either afraid of me or they're super excited about me. There's all sorts of the excited and, and different emotions that are occurring. And then me and, you know, the pet parent leave. Well, that's not what the dog normally experiences when someone is going to leave. So what I need to see is exactly what that normal, daily, regular alone time is like. And I can counsel and coach the client through that alone time process on a day-to-day basis using remote tools um, without ever having to be there in person, which quite frankly, has opened up the entire world <laughs> literally, yeah. uh, uh, for working with separation anxiety dogs. How can they enroll in your course? <clears throat> so the Mission Possible course is available on my website, which is com. Let's spell that for um, everybody. That is M-A-L-E-N-A-D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. There you go. That's the one. And if you happen to be listening today, um, they, we've created a discount code for all of your listeners. We so told them that this was coming, that yeah. they're going to have a great savings if they enroll in the Mission Possible course. And it's a great course, folks. So how do they do that? How do they save? So when they go to enroll, they use a discount code of Pet Talk S. Pet Talk S-A-S-A for separation anxiety. That's Pet Talk S-A. That is the discount code. Fantastic. Exactly. Wow. Well, we appreciate that. Hey, um, one of the things that we didn't talk about that I do want to talk about, because people that have maybe been working with separation anxiety, you know, the the, the traditional ways, you know, what everybody kind of knows that's out there, um, it, the absence, the increments that you're gone you know they start off very short and little by little they get longer and longer and longer and longer and longer a very linear fashion but you don't do that you do something very different in terms of uh, mixing up the the time where as you're extending time then you'll come back and, and give a short one or something like that talk about that because that was fascinating and it really clicked why doing it the old way is going right. to create more anxiety. Talk about that. We just have about two more minutes. Two more minutes. All right. I'll be expedient, but I think it's so important. One of the things that everybody has to recognize is that dogs are masters, masters of discrimination. They can distill patterns in everything. How do you, you know, doesn't your, have you ever forgotten to feed your dog at the exact correct time? And have they let you know about it? Yep. Do they know the difference between when you put on the shoes that you go out for a walk with versus the shoes that you go to the office with? You bet they know Mm -hmm. the difference between the two. They're really, really good at distilling information. So the traditional way is today I do a minute. Tomorrow or the next day, I do two or three minutes, the following five and ten and so forth, right? Yeah. The unfortunate thing about doing that is when we think about dogs being such, you know, experts at discerning patterns, 
they will quickly start to figure out that the number one, that the game is getting harder and harder every single darn day. That's number one. Number two, there is no sort of tweaking or adjustment for where the dog is at any given time. And what I mean by that is we have to set these protocols based on the pace that the dog is able to handle. If he can handle one minute today, that doesn't mean he can handle four minutes tomorrow. That may mean that we have to assess and determine, oh, look at that. He can handle a minute and 30, but he gets a little wily and squirrely and antsy around two minutes, you know, and that's important that we stay beneath that panic point. So one of the important things to do then is randomize and remove these patterned elements so we give the dog easy wins along the way, and then that allows us to inch up and eke out just a little more duration. So they're actually intentionally fabricated easy and or medium-ish wins along the way. And, and, you know, that just makes so much sense to help uh, decrease that anxiety because, you know, they they know by the pattern they're predicting, hey, it's going to keep getting harder and, and keep getting longer and longer. So, exactly right. You know, I've been doing it for years, and when I read that, it was so simple. So simple, but just thinking how well thought out what you are doing with separation anxiety. Man, we are just about out of time. I am so grateful that uh, you were here as our guest. Gosh, we could just spend a whole nother hour. Time goes by so quickly. Um, I want to give a plug for your book. If you want to buy her book, it's Separation Anxiety in Dogs, Next Generation Treatment Protocols and Practices, and it's Malena, M-A-L-E-N-A, D-Martini, D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I. And all you got to do is put her first and last name together on a dot .com, and you go to her website and check out the Pet Guardian course for separation anxiety, Mission Possible. Milena, thank you so much. We need to have you back. We are all out of time, folks. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday. 9 a.m. Pet Talk Today. News, talk, sports. The Pulse of Arizona. 1100 KFNX, Phoenix.